Hello and welcome along. Today it's one of those Olympic stories that I know we love. It's Mark Shardlow here and uh, this episode is just a little over 10 minutes. Since we began in January I've been trying to tell the stories of those hoping to get to Tokyo and today is a very special one. Dealing with epilepsy, getting four jobs to help pay the bills when there was no funding, there are a lot of things to admire here. Now many of us will know that Dina Asher-Smith is in the 200 metres for Team GB but alongside her is Beth Dobbin. Beth is 27, her dad Jim was a professional footballer. As you'll hear, Beth has spent her life dreaming of being an Olympian. So how did she feel when, at 27, she finally made it? Do you know what? The the night that it happened, I was obviously buzzing. The next day I was buzzing. But then the day after that, I really came back down to earth and I just felt a bit like, this is what I've been working for. I, I expected myself to go to the Olympics. And I just felt quite calm and almost as if it was kind of a box tick exercise to qualify. And now I want to go to the Olympics and do well. Although um, the following day we had the kitting out experience and then I got absolutely buzzing again after that. So um, yeah, it has been a whirlwind, but I do feel very much a sense of, I was expecting myself to be here. Obviously I'm ecstatic that I'm going to the Olympics. I'm really pleased about that, but I ultimately want to go there and run well. So I'm in a very different position to how I was let's say in 2018, when I didn't expect myself to make the team. Um, I, I fully expected this. I would have been disappointed if I didn't. So now I need to go to the Olympics and, and do the job. I guess the thing, I mean, you talked about kitting out there. There are lots of markers along the way. I think you're fortunate in the work you, uh, you're in the athletics world where you're used to sort of big meets and stuff like that. But, you know, you've got the, the training camp, you've got the village experience and all that. Are you prepared for that? A lot of people say... You know, you've got to sort of, as you say, put that to the back of your mind somehow, yet still enjoy the moment. Yeah, it's going to be definitely strange. It's going to be something I've never experienced before. I think I'm actually quite glad that I've never been to an Olympics before because I do think this one will be different due to COVID. Even the kitting out experience, other athletes that have been to previous Olympics have said, oh, that was that was very different to what it normally is like. So I'm glad I've got none of that. Oh, it's supposed to be like this and supposed to be like that. Um, I am quite a home bird. I don't really go abroad to train. I, I go abroad to race, but it's three days here, three days there. So um, I am looking forward to the holding camp, but I definitely will miss my coach, um, a massage therapist that's staying here. Luckily, my physio's going out there. Um, but yeah, I'm really going to miss my coach because he comes to every single session with me. So um, that's going to be quite tough, but we've plan to FaceTime for the big sessions. So yeah, we'll get it done. And I'm sure when I'm out there, I probably won't miss him that much. I'll be buzzing and having a great time. So yeah. I reckon you will. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about your first Olympic memories? If we go back to, you know, little Beth, when can you first remember watching the Olympics? I remember 2004 in Athens, Kelly Holmes. I can't remember whether it was the 800 or the 1500. Um, but my dad's let me stay up and watch it. And I remember watching it in his bedroom with him and him just shouting at the TV going absolutely mad. And I just remember thinking, what is going on? And then I, I was looking at the screen and I just felt this like um, overwhelming emotion as a nine-year-old. And I can still remember it to this day. And ever since then, um, I started pestering my, my dad, can we go out running? I want to be like Kelly Holmes, you know, really, really, really inspired. 
and then obviously went down the sprints route. So I never got to do the 800 or 1500, probably for the best with the absolute standard of it in this country at the moment. But yeah, I that that was definitely my first Olympic memory. I have slight memories of 2008. I remember Jeanette um, Quachi reaching the final. So I, I really fangirl her. <laughs> and, and then... By the time London 2012 came around, I was completely obsessed with the Olympics. Um, my family were actually taking the mick out of me the other day because um, I was 18. So it's not like I was a child and can blame it on, you know, being young. And I just bought so much memorabilia. I had London 2012 egg cups, plates, loads of like um, crockery like that because I was going off to university. So for me, it all had to be London 2012. And I got there, I had coasters and everything. And I got there and felt really embarrassed because everyone else had like nice stuff and mine was all London 2012. So I actually ended up bringing it back in December. Uh, but yeah, I was just obsessed. And then obviously you have Rio and in Rio I was running pretty much 24 seconds so I never even thought that in four or five years time now that I would be on the team it was just so out of my grasp so yeah every single Olympics since 2004 I have very fond memories of and uh well that's fantastic to hear and I'm sure you'll find some memorabilia there to bring back home <laughs> with you and not be embarrassed about this time. yeah um what I like about your story Beth is that you know you you came to athletics a little bit late you you've had your uh, issues as well along the way yet you've still made it which is fantastic and it's a great story to tell do you mind sort of telling it in your words yeah I definitely feel like I've made it against the odds if if that's a thing you know I, I don't feel like this was almost supposed to happen to me I don't know how this has happened to me because I did have a really rough time of it and it wasn't just um obviously I've got a history of epilepsy and I had quite a serious seizure, which involved going on um, some medication. And, and I think it was the medication more than anything that hindered my athletics because it wasn't until I came off that as a late teenager that um, my athletics started going well again. Um, and then ever since then, I always felt like I was playing catch up. Um, and, you know, I always kind of think of myself, well, I know I'm really hardworking and that's because... I never used to win everything as a junior. And, and when you're in that position of not winning things, it makes you work harder because you want to win things. Um, and I always kind of give myself a bit of a hard time. I'm not the talented in the most talented athlete in the world. But actually, sometimes on reflection, I think, well, actually, I did have it really tough. You know, I was on medication throughout my whole teenage life and I was I was playing catch up. And I'm really fortunate that my coach never, you know, stopped believing in me. I, I don't think he expected me to do this. I didn't expect me to do this, but he always gave me 100% regardless and just wanted me to be the best version of myself. And that's all I wanted. Obviously, everyone wants to go to the Olympics. My mum wants to go to the Olympics, but it doesn't always happen. And then, yeah, it's ha it's happened to me. I don't really know how. I think it's a lot of hard work off my part and really good coaching off my coach's part and just having a really, really good team around me. But yeah, I never thought this would ever happen. Yeah, I guess you said it there in amongst that, like 
belief you know someone believed in you and I guess that was really important to the teenage you yeah definitely I always say um because I've had the same team literally since I was 18 I moved to Loughborough as an 18 year old and I've had the same coach the same massage therapist and the same physio the same osteopath since then regardless of coming on funding for British athletics I haven't I haven't changed that team and I always say about them that they gave me a hundred percent not knowing that this was going to happen, not knowing that I was going to become an Olympian. They just gave me 100% regardless. Because when you're doing really well and, you know, you're you're a decent athlete, obviously people want to help you. But those guys that have been in my corner, um, they have gave me, like, honestly, sometimes I'd go to see my osteopath. I'd, I'd booked an hour and an appointment and he'd be there two hours, wouldn't charge me any extra. My coach, the same Every single weekend he's there for hours on end in the cold coaching me. Um, and they've done that, not not expecting me to make an Olympic. So, yeah, I'm, I hope what I've achieved almost pays them back for the hard work they've put into me. I'm sure they're, they're absolutely thrilled with that. And and the other thing you had to do, I mean, you worked your way through your knee as well, didn't you? Had a few jobs. Yeah, I had a few jobs. 2018, looking back on it now, I honestly don't know how I did it. It was ridiculous. It was... I was up at six every day. Um, my shift was seven till three. Uh, my main job, um, on my days off, I'd go into schools and do school visits. On the day that I couldn't get shifts at my main job, I'd ha- I had a separate uh, job that I would get shifts at. And then I had another job that I was doing whilst I was on shift because I knew that in the winter I could I had to work really, really hard because in the summer I wanted time off to go to races. I always like to have three days off before a race just just to freshen up not have to get up at 6am get my sleep in because when you're up at 6am you know they say athletes are supposed to get 10 hours sleep I, w- I was lucky to get six hours sleep I, I was not falling to sleep at 10 at 10 p.m um you know it's, it's impossible because I was only getting in an hour previous to that from training so looking back I don't honestly know how I did it but when you're in a situation like that where you have absolutely no choice you just get on with it you just you know you just have to do it you don't even think about it I didn't have any social life I didn't I didn't turn on a tv for about two years um but I made sure I was getting my food in as much sleep as I possibly could and things like that to to give myself the best chance of doing well in my athletics and just which which jobs were you doing? So my main my main job was a receptionist at uh, Loughborough Sport, and that involved working at seven different. I could pick between seven different facilities. It was a zero hour contract, but honestly, I could have worked worked twice a day every day if I wanted to. There was that many shifts going, so I would be at Power Base or the Netball Centre, Tennis Centre, High Park, Cricket. I could pick between any of those that is that have got shifts going and then I also had a job at the security gatehouse on uh, the campus when you drive in the barriers that was me giving out the passes Um, and I would do that they were only four hour shifts so they weren't my preference because I would prefer an eight hour shift Um, and I would do that on days you know that there weren't any shifts at the at the reception and then on Thursdays which is my day off training I used to do two school visits for a company called Sports for Champions so I'd be driving here there and everywhere and then I also worked for Power of 10, the results system for the athletics. And I would do that whilst I was on shift at my reception job. And I always feel a bit guilty for admitting that because I'm not, I've not got in trouble for it yet. But I'm sure it's going to come back and bite me one no. day. No, no way. I mean, God, that, I'm full of admiration for doing all of that. That's, you know, that's a determination. That is true determination. And look, 
a couple of years on and you're on the plane. I mean, that's that's extraordinary, isn't it? You must feel, you know, proud of yourself. Yeah. Do, do you know what? I really, really am. And I don't think enough athletes say that, you know, they credit other people. But actually, I'm such a grafter. I come in, I work so hard, I do everything right. You know, I'll never miss um, an appointment with my physio. I, I get treatment regular, I eat well, I sleep a, a lot better now than when I was working there. Um, and yeah, I think because I had it so tough, I just am so proud of myself that I just even persevered with the sport. Um, I don't know, yeah, like I said, how I managed to do it, but I got it done. I don't think I really even moaned about it. I was I was tired and I was fed up of it. And when I turned 13, I got my first job with Doncaster Rovers. I was selling programmes. So I think I've just always worked. And, and even when I was at sixth form, I had a couple of jobs. And then at university, I had two jobs as well. Um, so I think I'm just used to being a grafter and, and I've been very independent from a young age and, you know... That's it's just drilled into me, really. Uh, Beth, that's a fantastic route to becoming an Olympian. It's great to hear your story. Uh, you were what just days away from being on the plane and going into the furnace of, of Tokyo. How what are you feeling? How are you feeling then, you know, ready to compete? Yeah, I'm so excited because we've we've taken a bit of a risk this year, me and my coach. Normally, we plan to be in the best shape possible at British Champs and then to make sure I'm on the team. But this year, we kind of reassessed it when I came out and I was running fairly decent and I knew I was ranked highly going into British Champs. So we kept a lot of load in the programme with the aim to peak in Tokyo. So I'm excited to see that peak. I do feel like I want a quick time. I want to run a quick time. I've, I've run decent so far, but I've not run what I've wanted to. So yeah, we've planned for that to come at Tokyo so I'm really excited for that I have not even started packing so that's going to be a stressful process because got to take so much stuff we've got so much kit uh so yeah I think these next few days are going to be hectic while I try and get really organized make sure I don't forget everything um but yeah I can't wait to get out there see the village the other athletes were telling me that whatever they leave in your rooms you get to keep I thought that's good because I were going to keep it anyway <laughs> regardless of whether it was allowed so yeah they apparently they put loads of like GB pillows and things like that in your in your room and you get to keep everything so I'll have to leave space in my case for that but yeah I just can't wait brilliant clear out the 2012 memorabilia bring on the 2021 definitely yes. fantastic have a great time thank you so much mark appreciate that that's beth dobbin olympian in the 200 meters and uh, we've got a few more olympic chats to come over the next few days but it's very close to the start of the olympics now thank you so much for all your support over the last six months or so i am raising money for maggie's cancer centers and if you want to make a donation, you can go to justgiving.com, search Destination Tokyo, or look in the show notes. Thanks for those who've contributed uh, over Facebook, buy me a coffee, and of course, Just Giving. Much appreciated. So more to come in the coming days as the countdown almost gets to zero for the Olympics. See you soon. Bye-bye.